Hello there guys and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week is part two of my chat of Jack Thomas from the Just Conversations podcast. So if you didn't tune in last week, just to clarify, that was part one of the chat. This is part two. Um, the chat works together in individual parts because the conversations matter seems to you know differ so wildly. But I would recommend going back and listening to part one just in case you haven't. Now for clarity as well, I want to say a light trigger warning here as well, because we use rape as an example during the discussion. Uh, We speak about it for maybe five or so minutes, we don't go into specific detail of rape or sexual assault in that regard, but it is something that is mentioned in the chat, I just want to flag that to anyone before listening, just in case. Aside from that, the rest of the conversation is all about abstract ideas and things. So you've got good and evil, that's the kind of main premise of both parts of the chat that kind of continues. We also speak about the equalization of the universe, the fountain of existence, the causation of consciousness, free will, determinism, identity, lots of different things like that. Some quite interesting ideas worth discussing that are just thoughts that myself and Jack both have. As always, you can find all the information in the description of what was in part one and part two, as well as links to the Just Conversations website and social media. I was also on episode 4.09 of the Just Conversations podcast, which was out in late September 2020, but I've included a link to that in the description as well. And last thing before the chat gets started, I do have a Patreon now. I'm going to give way more information right at the end of the chat. But part one and part two of this chat were released together as one episode last week when part one came out. So going forward on the podcast, there's going to be part one and part two like there normally is of extra long episodes. And whenever I release part one on this feed, both parts will be released as one episode on the Patreon feed. So, you know, I've also included two things on the Patreon feed that are completely free right now. So I've got there's The Witcher Afterthoughts. Me and Megan watched the first series of Witcher. And gave our thoughts on that and we're also going through all of the star wars films at the moment so we're doing that too but i'll give more information on that at the end so guys thanks as always for tuning in find me on social media at genuine chit chat leave reviews share with people all that usual jazz and i'll talk to you at the end of the chat welcome to genuine chit chat where we have honest conversations with interesting people and i'm your host mike burton playing video games or playing music or doing certain things you as you say you you don't realize you're even doing the thing you just do it there's it's, it's autonomous in a sense and it's, it's that sort of it just feels like the rhythm of what you're doing is flowing through you yeah like you've uh st- it's no longer a choice you're making it's just something that it's automatic your your body is sort of i got what to do to let it move fluidly. Cause if you try to control it, then suddenly there's like a halt. But I love something you said there that I've never thought about in my life. And you said you put two different things together to sort of end up with consciousness. This actually goes really nice with something you said earlier, which I never thought about before to say that the universe is just energy, right? So let's divide that and say, there is infinite energy and there is random chaotic matter. And that we would in theory move if the energy was gone, except there would be no perceiver. And there's no such thing as consciousness. There's energy and there's matter. And if I wasn't conscious, I'd be moving around. I'd be having this conversation, but there wouldn't be a conscious mind here thinking I'm talking to you. There would just be a conversation happening that's completely meaningless, even if the words are identical. You wouldn't be seeing it. I wouldn't be seeing it. Now, that energy plus the vessel equal consciousness, but the energy by itself is just energy that doesn't perceive. And the vessel itself is a vessel that doesn't perceive, but together they're conscious. How fascinating. I've never thought about that. Hmm. This very interesting visual to say, because I guess the universe works in that way. Nothing is singular. Everything has to come in pairs, but also that pair is just the one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really weird. Polarity only exists in things that are singular. And that's complicated. Again, we draw a line. And so we have two different things, but they're just the same one thing, but they're two things. And that's a really weird contrast because energy, physicality, put it together equals consciousness. Because mm, with, with the sort of uh, the way the universe works, one th- thing that I found very interesting when I was, I think I was at a museum of some sort, and it basically said the term positive and negatively charged when you go, go down to like the atomic level and you're talking about lots of uh, sciencey things that I only know about scraping the surface of, but positive and negative charge. When you have things that are positive and negatively charged, the, the way electricity and lots of other crazy things work is, and 
atomic levels and stuff, all of that sort of stuff can vaguely be explained by positive and negative charge. But the thing is, there is no such thing as positive or negative charge. One of the charges isn't, it's just like a magnets having a positive and sort of a North Pole and a South Pole. There is no such thing as those things. That's just what we have had to define them as to be able to even comprehend them. The positive and negative charge only makes sense because you understand that, you know, one can't come without the other in that sort of way. And if you put two together, it makes it even. It makes it non. Yeah. So it's like, but they're not a positive thing and a negative thing because that that doesn't exist. That's not the concept. And that's kind of what the universe is all about, isn't it? It's like life and death. Like when you die, you become one with the universe. Like it's, it's in a very simple way, the matter that you inhabit, you fall to the ground, you decompose, you get eaten by bugs and the ground and things, and then you form new life in a certain way. Yeah. The universe de- sees life and death as almost the, the both and the same. It's that life cycle. And it's, it's all that sort of the positive and the negative that you can't, the most simplest one is always, you can't build a mountain without digging a hole. If you're on a flat plane, you have to dig a hole to build a mountain or vice versa. You, and that's how the universe always is. It's that ultimate equal sign. It's just everything evening out at the end. As above, so below. Yeah. And that's what I think maybe the sort of the two parts of consciousness and matter is. It's just energy plus matter. You put it together and they make consciousness. But consciousness is is that same thing. It's just the two yeah, like it one. couldn't exist without like there would be nothing that's to say that if we just had energy but no matter that's an impossibility and if we just had matter but no energy that would be an impossibility it sort of it exists because the other does mm-hmm. we're just defining different things if we looked at it from a far angle they would be the same thing mm-hmm. yeah and it's, it's just it's interesting that how much imagery and things comes to mind when thinking about such abstract ideas um, like I watched um, the other day. Um, have you seen the Pixar film Inside Out? Inside Out? No, I barely watch anything. That's fair. Well, it's it's a surprisingly interesting and deep film. It's it's basically about five uh, main emotions being in one's head, and then they they have a viewing screen of everything you do, and then they touch the this button, and it makes you feel that emotion, and then it makes up core memories, and some core memories are like pure happiness, but they become bad over time, and all this interesting concepts. I'd say it's actually surprisingly deep uh, for a Pixar film, and there's just one scene that only lasts about two minutes, and there's these two characters inside um, a little girl's head, and they go through this this tunnel of abstract thought. And it gets turned on and has the four layers of being sort of abstract and things. And they start off as characters, then they become like 2D and then they they lose the lines that define them. They just become color and then they become random color shapes and then they would in theory disappear. And that kind of idea is, the reason I mention that specifically is because thoughts are like that. Like one of the funniest things I remember is on, it's on one of the Simpsons episodes where Milhouse's parents split up and she, the Milhouse's mum is having a go at his, da- sorry, the dad's having a go at the mum because they're basically playing Pictionary and they're trying to draw dignity, which is a completely impossible thing to draw. But that idea, we know what dignity is. We know what you know, love is, even though it's described or drawn as normally hearts and things. But like, we know what these ideas are. But if you try and yeah. visualize what is dignity, in your mind, I can't. I can think of examples. I could tell you examples of dignity to a degree, and maybe vaguely define it. But if I'm trying to visually think what is dignity, I can't figure that out. And it's just like with lots of abstract ideas. Interesting, because that kind of brings us full circle. Like if I told you to draw evil, yeah, what, without what drawing would you a person put on the paper. Exactly. Don't yeah. draw an action. Don't draw a person. Just draw evil. With nothing else included, like what what would that be? Draw good, but what do you end up putting on the page if you couldn't draw a person or a thing or an action? It's yeah. weird, right? Yeah, because some of the most horrible things and some of the best things can equal the worst stuff. Like this is going to be an example. I'm going to say a very mild trigger warning, which I do apologize for to anyone. But if someone is raped, okay, and they can't get rid of the baby or they don't want to for whatever reason, and then they have that child. That action, rape, which is one of the most horrendous things a human can do to another human, and it is, if any, if anything is an evil action, I would say rape is pretty damn close to something one would consider to be evil. But in that idea, the woman, if she gave birth to that child, she could say sustain it, fine, no financial problems or anything like that. Apart from the trauma of what she went through, she could then have a net good of that entire experience. And it was a very extreme example, but I want to kind of convey what I meant. And then if you take it like down a level, it's when someone's family member passes away it can be like i use with my dad it's like he died it was the most horrible thing that's happened to me ever but 
I've become a better person because of it. So from that negativity and that pain, I wouldn't have got the good air quotes or the pleasure or the the fulfillment that I would have needed without that pain. And that's why I think the concepts of good and evil in almost every way also don't work. Because you you can have someone do something that could be considered to be evil to someone else. The person could go through horrendousness, but through the actions they had to go through or the experiences of that horrendous thing, at the end of their life looking back, it could have had a net positive thing, a net positive impact on the life of that person. Very, very fascinating. And uh, uh, I hope nobody gets bothered, but stick into that extremely dark example. Mm. The rape itself is equal to digging the hole. The keeping the baby is equal to making the mountain out of the hole. Mm. We're just calling dirt missing bad, dirt extra good. Mm-hmm. What a weird thing, but that's totally true. You, you, you need the bad to know the good. You couldn't have one without the other. It would just be neutral. And if there was no rape, but there is just baby, you just have a baby. It's like, great, fantastic. You had a baby. But we see a woman who keeps a baby and they're like, wow, despite the circumstance, she keeps it. That is a hero. It's like, whoa. Okay, we only call her a hero because she's doing something that we think like we're giving her the past go ahead get rid of it we, you got the green light we're not gonna judge you mm-hmm. but then that would be the neutral something else good would have to happen as a result of the bad that happened through the rape if she got rid of the baby now the question is what would that be would it be the strength to keep going would it be the the difficulty of the choice uh, i don't bring a child that is a product of this thing it's complicated because with that same example we can cancel out the building of the mountain as far as we know we can have the rape and nothing could come out of the rest of the circumstances if she didn't keep the baby that's mm. too bad we just dug two holes but all the dirt disappeared I wonder if in that sort of scenario, it would maybe have to be a case of comparison. So one would have to kind of look in their life, for example, say this is obviously this line of thinking, there are obviously a lot of people who've gone through horrendous stuff because of this. I'm not trying to make a light of uh, anyone who's been through uh, some uh, sexual assault or anything of that caliber. But if, if an individual was raped and then they got pregnant and then they got rid of the baby, then say years later, they found let's call it the one, um, which is a concept in itself that's interesting. And they basically found the one and they had a child with them. And because of that, they then had a positive life. And maybe the net good would have been because of her sexual encounter initially, which has caused her so much trouble, you know, the, the, the rape and things that did something to her of having to find herself, have to, having to f- overcome the trauma. And because of that made her maybe a more outgoing person, that made her go out to the bar one night with her friends. And that's how she met her partner. And from that, so you could, I think that's the only real way one could frame it, maybe. Well, tragically, not to stick on this, but it's like, I'm sorry to listeners who are struggling with this, but it's like, it's the perfect bad that could result in no good mm. because let's say they do get raped. They do get pregnant. The horror of the circumstance and the incoming circumstance from a child through this leads this female to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Now where's the positive. Now this is the brutal, this is the brutal part. The positive would be you'd have to <laughs> this I do not believe this, I want to clarify, but the only way you could spin that positively is some sort of utilitarianism side of looking things. You'd either say if she continued living it would be pain and therefore that was Yes. That, or or you could say an even more cold thing, this is like a computer, is that that's one less person, one less of the individuals in the earth and maybe her not living, and this is brutal and horrible thing to think, but if that person didn't live the amount of people afterwards because of just odd things that did or did not happen like a butterfly effect scenario they then cause a net good they they cause more good of passing away in tiny 
being sprinkled about. Fair enough. I don't you believe say that. that uh, it gets quite dark. Yeah. But to clarify, <laughs> it's all very hypothetical. This is all yes, hypothetical. 100%. But you could say that the rape happens, the pregnancy happens, suicide happens, but then there's an outcry to stop rape and protect women as a response. And so it looks like nothing good happened, but the collective good is way less people get raped because the awareness of the situation gets blown into the public eye. And then there's more effort to stop these events from taking place. Mm -hmm. So then less women get raped, more women are happy. And that domino effect you're talking about kind of moves forward with the plus because it has to equal the negative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like that would be in some way. I think that if, if the, if the universe was that truly, equal um of sort of the great equalizer is what the universe is of i feel like it would almost have to be just yeah on that utility looking at it in a utilitarianism sort of uh framing or just like zoom out even further and it would just be one of those things where at the end of the human's whole journey as a species it neutraled everything out somehow and that's just yes. kind of and all the tiny little details within that Aren't effect, uh, don't equate to that because at the end of it, the sun's going to explode and implode or whatever, and then it was just going to wipe everything out anyway. Is that because that's then looking at it so as quite an atheist way of looking at it in a quite a it means nothing, <laughs> wipe it here's, away. Here's what's really weird about that exact thought, and specifically using the term atheist because that lands perfectly with a scientific mentality that usually explains things away. The universe is only a construct that exists because there was an uneven amount of energy what the hell hmm. so we're, we're built on top of a lack of symmetry they literally call it the asymmetrical nature of the universe and it's because something was off that allowed everything to happen because if it wasn't everything would have gotten destroyed and equally distributed in every direction there wouldn't be matter there wouldn't be consciousness there wouldn't be life there would be nothing it relied on it not being symmetrical by any means and not being parallel, not being balanced, it not being as above, so below. And so we're here. Well, maybe it's that one almost grain of sand that tips it from being a dead neutral. And that's what keeps the universe in motion. So at the all it is, is almost like, I think of it almost um, like those really old school sets, uh, scales. I think you have them in your court buildings quite a lot, a woman holding them. And it's just like, you know, a bar with two chains and plates. And that's basically yeah. it. And I almost think of like, they're dead even. And all it does is kind of one grain of sand just hits one side and it just kind of goes in motion. Or even, let's do it slightly differently, a plate. A plate that's just in space. There's no forces acting upon it. There's no gravity because there's nothing in existence. Almost just like a plate of energy. And just one one side just gets tapped by something. And that one thing unbalances it and makes the whole thing spin. And that spin shoots all the energy out from that center. And all that happens is the universe goes out and out and out until it does. And then it almost just kind of loops back around and it kind of falls back on itself like a like a newton's cradle almost and just comes back in and then compacts back to that nothing 0.0001 space again and just that that extra tiny so small like subatomic maybe it's just the smallest particle inconceivable but the higgs boson maybe that's one tiny little dot of just extra from all the great equalizer that's the one thing that keeps it always going in motion that's very interesting. Uh, what you're talking about is called the Great Crunch, the Big Crunch, I believe it's called, mm. where the dark energy in the universe spreads the universe out until the limit. So it feels like it's accelerating at the beginning, but when it's reaching its end, it hits sort of a peak max. And like a rubber band, it starts pulling back in ever faster, ever faster, ever faster, ever faster, until it all crushes back into the singularity that it was created from. The problem with that is... If something had to tip the scale, then there was already something else there that could tip the scale. Mm -hmm. And that would just mean that it was inherently unbalanced to begin with because not everything was contained, was self-contained. Not everything was self-contained. Some outside force triggered the events, which mm -hmm. is sort of what the Big Bang is. It was just a singularity. And then something 
triggered the Big Bang. Same thing if we think of just a global consciousness. There's infinite energy, singular existing consciousness, nothing else, but then something triggered the invention of perspective. And here we are. Something always had to get the ball. Why did God create anything? Mm -hmm. Something began the ball rolling. Yeah, and it's the same. Like um, I thought I had there with, um, I think, a point you made earlier, which was, I think that it's same with evolution. Like the way evolution works is obviously just cells in very, very layman's terms. You know, it's basically if you have something that the way all life kind of started with single cells is just a cell just copies itself in theory, like an infinite amount of times. But because the copy is 0. 0.0, you know, 0. 0.000 whatever percent, 0.1 percent imperfect. At some point, one copy has an incrementally tiny difference to its counterparts. And then because of that incremental difference, for some reason it thrives in whatever way slightly better. And then therefore, when that one uh, then splits, that type, that variation then uh, does better. And then that happens infinitely. It's just always the way evolution and things even change. You know, polar bears became a thing was they got, there was a bear, there was just a, basically the albino uh, sort of gene. So it basically just made its pigmentation of its fur white. It was in a snowy environment, so it's camouflaged better. It hunted better. And therefore that one bear mated with more people, uh, more other bears and things. And then it just spread that gene across. And then other bears in that same environment hunted better and blah, 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 over you know, millions or thousands yeah. or millions of generations, you get polar bears. So everything kind of starts with that one-to-one copy. But the reason that life even started was because of that variation. And I wonder if if you rein it all the way back to like the Big Bang, what was that 0.01% grain of sand thing that tipped that? Well, maybe that was from whatever the next dimension up is. Maybe there's just like a, a droplet, a trickle of whatever it is in the next dimension that came into what we perceive as our dimension, which started the Big Bang. That's just that one thing. It's something so incremental, they wouldn't even notice it's gone almost. But that's what starts us. And then that's how we start whatever the, you know, the subatomic dimensions are as well. It's almost that kind of cascading, only one tiny thing for us would be something massive for something in a smaller scale. Yeah. Okay. That's actually pretty fascinating because... If we used uh, the, the, what the, the things that the string theory um, and Buddhism and Hinduism tell us is that kind of the, we upscale to the singular, but we downscale to the individual, right? Hmm. Who says that going up an infinite amount of times doesn't lead us back to the singularity? And rather, the singularity never blew up into anything. We're just talking about the unification point at the highest dimension, and that that's still the singularity and it's still there. And when we're talking about singularity, we're just talking about the thing that's generating us individ- individually. So there was never a beginning point. There was never a tipping point, but rather it was just always there and it still is. We're just the most insignificantly fractional fraction of that same thing that's still there unquestionably. Hmm. Yeah, and I thinking w- with that sort of, mindset as well is the once again the way i almost visualize it is every every layer of existence in some ways either it could be via the dimensions and however many dimensions you go up or it could be by actual literal size of you know going down to subatomic coming up to galaxy size and things you could almost have it where just the the trickle of energy i'm i vision it as steps together just really and just one drop of water or a you know, a stream maybe from that top point just trickles down and down and down. And as that stream just touches each step, that is really a metaphor for energy igniting that aspect of existence, be it in the the biggest size trickling down to the smaller subatomic or being whatever nth dimension is at the air quotes top all the way down. And then when you get to the bottom, whatever trickles into there comes back up again at the top. And it's just that infinitely rolling, like the, uh, what's it, aura, what's it called the, the, the Ouroboros Ouroboros it was Ouroboros yeah that sort of oh, idea yeah, I got that tattooed right on my chest oh nice <laughs> that's a very yeah, good yeah, tattoo yeah. but yeah that totally makes sense it's sort of uh, it's a fountain mm. it's a fountain the water comes all the way down it takes a million different paths on the way down because you can't predict it it's an infinitely big fountain 
And there's an infinite amount of different ways the water could turn on its way down. And sometimes it branches off into little mini rivers on its way down. Same way we have oceans at a strange altitude that kind of break into surrounding waters and then the ground sucks that up, but there's a big enough opening that leads to a lake. The lake leads to a stream. The stream leads to the river that falls down the waterfall. The waterfall hits another river, spritz off into a million pieces and meets the ocean somewhere. But how did the water get on top to get to the ocean? It's the ocean water that came up again. Mm -hmm. And so you have that same cycle repeating itself over and over, and it's just taking a million different paths. Every single river is an individual. That same energy is taking different perspectives on its way down. And when it hits that max point, we'll call it our death or the death of consciousness. The energy just gets funneled back on top and start all over again. The question is, where were we before we were alive? And is that state something when we're there we're going to be aware of but we're not aware of now like we're never aware of any state in between so or any state before or after i don't know what it's like after i'm dead but what i'm that that's nothing different than where i came from before i was alive because i'll never know but as the trickle falls it can never go back up and it can only go forward it can never turn back so we have that kind of arrow of time that's always going to come back so am i going to make it back to the start and see the higher version of me, if that's even a thing, because to, to my understanding, we exist simultaneously through all the kind of different dimensions rather than I'm in the top and I come down and then I come down, but that energy would work that way hmm. because the timeline that I am in the fourth dimension required some energy from some other thing that maybe dimensionally doesn't exist. But I think this is where it's interesting. I've actually started having this, having this conversation recently that we think of time as forward and back, right? And we think of dimension as up and down, but why don't we ever talk about left and right? And there's been a word for it, but it sort of exists outside of our language. It's when we're talking about different realms. And somehow it always escapes uh, the Western culture. While a lot of other cultures consistently talk about alternate realms that we simultaneously always exist in. And I feel like we're almost missing that in our language and our understanding of the world. But I guess all cultures lack something. Because if we look at Shinto, that's a, a very Buddhist-centric, very Eastern uh, philosophy, it exists in cultures that don't even have past or present in their language. So they are lacking the past me versus the future me. It's just the current me at all times. But then they have different realms of existence. Yeah, my spirit is different from my consciousness. My consciousness exists multidimensionally, but my spirit exists within many realms. But then they'll never mention the past version of this me versus the future version of this me. But we talk about that all the time. It's engraved into our language a couple of minutes ago. That's easy for me to say. <laughs> so we're always missing that dimensionality. And then my question is, is the energy flowing through that dimensionality that we somehow exist in, or is it the same as everything else? And it's just, we always exist in all of these states, even if we perceive just a small piece of it, because I guess it would be that way, right? I think it's the latter. I, I view it as... Um... I'd kind of almost see it as the up and down, left and right sort of thing that you said. It did re it's really made me think because, as you say, like, yeah, time is forward and backwards. And then the dimensions, yeah, I do visualize going like kind of upward somehow. And almost if I'm like when I'm sat in this room, almost you'd zoom out. And instead of when you hit the, the ceiling, instead of zooming out and then it would be, say, the house, you'd zoom out and it would zoom out of this view of reality yes. into some sort of uh, different form. And then with the left and right thing being the realms, I think of that as parallel. That, that's what I was thinking before you said realms. I was thinking parallel and parallel realities is almost another way of thinking of realms in some ways. But there's, it depends how you want to interpret it. You can either say parallel universe, which is an identical universe to ours, except normally one very slight change that can have massive repercussions. Or is it, yeah, the, the is it like the realm that we're living in that we can see with our senses is it that if all of our senses could detect completely different things, like we've had the discussion where, you know, our eyes can't see infrared, for example, um, and we can't hear like a dog whistle noise. Those are just minor. They're, they're just like 
but on a machine that's just moving uh, like a, a dial up or down almost like how sensitive you are to this or that but we're talking about having a completely different machine entirely and i think that with the with measuring it and things if we could do that i think our energy would cascade through time as well as dimension as well as realm because i almost view yeah because i think realm is more so about perception i feel like if you had different senses and you had all these different senses that humans don't possess you would still be where you're sat right now but everything would look air quotes feel air quotes look if those terms even work see the problem with that is that that would exist within our it would just be different senses within our current reality so we could Mm. say for example a spider that has what is it like 30 more senses than we do Mm. exists in a different realm but they kind of don't because we can see that version of them within our three-dimensional realm Mm. I would say that the best example we have of us existing within two different realms would be our thoughts because it's here, but it's not, you can't see them. Mm. I can see them. It's a realm that I'm in the same way that there's a higher version of me that you don't have access to, but I have the memory of all the different dimension of all the different forward and back motions of my time. I can Mm. see what I'm thinking is going to happen and what the path in front of me might be. And I can remember what the path behind me was, but you don't have access to that. And I think thought is an example of a different realm. But if that's one example, what would the third one be? Because I can tell you about 11 different dimensions or 23, depending what math system you're using. I can tell you about different moments in my life. I was a kid at this point. I'm going to be an old man at that point. But I can say thought. What, what would be the next thing? What would be the third thing? Hmm. Breaks down quick. I think it, it would maybe, maybe it would have to be, it would, it's almost a once again, the scales thing, wouldn't it? So it would almost be this, the, the meat vessel is the first realm, the thought vessel and inside the almost inner works thoughts. I, I kind of view it as what you were saying, like daydreaming is the big weird one for me. I find that yeah. whenever I daydream, as soon as I kind of realize I'm daydreaming, I zone out of the daydream and I'm staring up at the wall on my laptop and I'm like, if I try and daydream, I can't get back in. But it just yeah. kind of naturally sometimes and I, when I'm daydreaming, I, I think I come out of it. It's like, was I blinking? Was I even breathing? Do, when other people are looking at me, how long was I staring at that thing for? Like, there's all these sort of weird things, but it's quite difficult without trying to do meditation or mindfulness to, to actually get back into that that mental uh or thought palace just your own head so i think yes. the third i guess it would kind of be how in your own perspective where it would go because my mind goes straight from you know meat vessel to thought to consciousness almost sort of like a a funnel an outward funnel coming out of my head almost like so it's it's the the thought is the middle ground is that pit we've spoken about in between the two yeah. sides thought is the pit between conscious which is really energy and then uh, the meat vessel and the the physical being, the matter. Interesting enough, though, I can separate those two things for you right now just by uh, putting that into perspective. You can be talking to me despite the difference in thoughts you're having in your mind. You're still perceiving something completely opposite. So you don't actually require your thoughts to be consciously present. And in fact, meditation aims to shutting down thoughts and being fully present so that it's pure consciousness minus the thought. So you're not even going through the mind to get there. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Cause that's the things whenever I, I do uh, breathing exercises and things, mindfulness. And my favorite thing is I lay down um, and I normally have just a, a thin blanket or something just covering me and I lay completely flat and don't move a muscle. Even when I, you know, your body really wants to, I just, and eventually the breathing you do, if you're the right temperature and the right, whatever, you do get to that state where you can't even feel where the ends of your skin connects to air is anymore. You you just, you can't even really feel. You can kind of feel almost like a shadow, uh, funnily enough, almost like just kind of a shadow of where you kind of vaguely are. But yeah. until you move, once you move a finger, then it ripples across your body and you kind of feel where everything is again. But it's kind of the similar if you go into... Um, because I've done it in isolation tanks, but if anyone's just been into a swimming pool that is the exact same temperature as you, if you just kind of float there and don't move, you kind of get that that feeling. So with meditation, I can, I do agree now, yeah, the, the point you've made there is a good one. So what would the next step be? Because yeah, thoughts are almost a byproduct of matter and consciousness, not 
the causation. I think I've got it the wrong yeah. way around. I think you got the two, and instead of it being the the pit, it's almost like the clouds above. So, so you've got the two planes, and just the byproduct of these existing kind of creates this space in a sense above to kind of connect them to bridge the gap almost like a rainbow yeah. over that cavern but it doesn't explain either what's down the cavern or even more so, so i don't know Isn't that do interesting mm. i don't know because i can so maybe five or six years ago right i created a system that i call the perceptual layout and the perceptual layout although i've only recently started talking about the concept of realms i guess i was talking about that the whole time and only now am i thinking about it in the idea of realms and it, it, it was discussing the idea that you and your thoughts are two different individuals but the same individual at the same time right hmm. so if we look at it in the case of when somebody tells you you know if you have a positive attitude even if you're having a bad day, your positive attitude is going to make your day better. And that, that's pretty accurate. Like if you force yourself to smile, you'll start laughing because of how ridiculous it is. But whether or not it's ridiculous, you'll start laughing. You could be aware it's fully ridiculous, already process that, and then start smiling to yourself in the mirror for no reason. And suddenly you've become happy. You've triggered it, but that's all in your head. Now, proving that they're two different people, you and your mind. You are horrified of roller coasters and you don't get on a roller coaster, but you put the inner you, your thought on the roller coaster. And he could either enjoy the roller coaster and you can just imagine, man, I would enjoy it, but I know I'd be scared of it. Or he's suffering, horrified as well, because you were unwilling to do it and you put him there. Now, the fear in the scenario where they are also scared of it now you got more anxiety because they got scared. If we look at the perceptual layout, you are the thought to your thoughts. So in, in their end, they are the main person. But on your end, you're the main person. From their perspective, you're the thought. From your perspective, they're the thought. And they could be going about their day and they're just walking to the park and you suddenly remembered mom's cookies and now they're suddenly eating mom's cookies at mom's house, but they don't remember being like walking towards the park. Now they're seamlessly just there. There was no interruption of anything. If something was seamlessly interrupted for you, would you know that you were walking to the park on this end? You were just going somewhere. And I guess I was always headed to mom's house. It makes sense on your end. Now I've always thought of it that way. And I designed that perceptual layout to say that you aren't but are your thoughts and so this is a different dimension to that we could say that unlike the dimensions that we maybe it's unlimited maybe it's unlimited who knows maybe it is maybe we go up to 11 like string theory says maybe we go up to 23 like string theory m says or whatever and time-wise we go and we see it limited we see that eventually our life runs out and uh, we know we can't, there was a starting point. We could be wrong. There could have been way more before and there could be way more after. But assuming that it looks like everything has a limit, we could say that there is just two and that there isn't even a third part. There's just the realm of physicality and the realm within your mind and that those two are distinct but equal. We could assume the spirit but then we'd have to say the spirit is opposite or different to the conscious mind that exists dimensionally speaking and say that then you have a spirit you have thought and then you have physical existence but then what would we even define spirit as if it's not the conscious mind that exists in a vertical kind of outlook so we could put a limit on it and then kind of define our connection to the other realm as based on the little things we know on, of our mind, of the understanding we have, and saying that it's us, but it's not us, because that would basically be what dimensions are too, you know? It's, I'm my shadow, but I'm not, I could point at it and be like, that's the thing. Same thing as in the fourth dimension, it could be like, that's one moment. And to me, it's all of everything, but it could just be a limited experience. If I had to say anything else, it would could be the soul but then what the hell is the soul that's different to where i am now but similar hmm. i wonder if the experience of us as humans is comprised of 
maybe close to four things in in a way, but they are heavily intertwined. So I'm thinking maybe you've got, it's it's almost like, I'm trying to think of it like there's the mind and there's the, the body, you know, there's the term, this sort of mind, body and soul and things. But then there's also, there's slightly more to that because as we've kind of established, there's also, the, there's thought as well. There's conscious thought. So maybe it's, maybe it's subconscious thought, conscious thought, then the sort of physical self and then the sort of higher consciousness. And they're sort of the four almost reins of what makes a person a person. And you've got, you know, your body, which is all the sort of simple uh, experience, which kind of you consume via all your sort of, sort of senses in a way. And then you've got your right. conscious and your subconscious are the two aspects of that that then translate those parts in. So it's like, you know, I love eating food. So the action of eating food is the experience that I get. And then the parts of my brain that enjoy it, you've got the conscious part, which goes, I like this because it tastes good. And then you've got the subconscious part at the back, which goes... Um, I like this because it gives me energy. And then you've got the sort of the consciousness itself, which is kind of above all that, but it can only happen because of all the other things kind of working together in in some sort of vague synergy. But it doesn't need any of them to kind of be going at one time. It's just this almost cloud that when the other things are kind of working, it, it forms maybe more or less clearly depending on the perspective. Because like... As you say, when you meditate and things and you clear yourself of thought and you think of nothing, you can become much closer. So it's almost, maybe you've got your body is at the bottom as like a circle. And then you've got two middle circles, which is conscious and subconscious thought. And then above that, you've got consciousness. And then it's almost like the two, the, the, subcon- the subconscious and the conscious in the middle. And then the sort of maybe soul consciousness at the top, the, the kind of thing that keeps you alive. I don't know, maybe there's... Is, people listening are probably thinking, what the hell am I talking about? I'm doing more with my hands <laughs> than anything. Well, but uh, what you're saying there, I, uh, I actually drew this out once, trying okay. to completely comprehend it, right? It's hard, it's hard to talk about. <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard to look because it's so unbelievably abstract. Mm. It's we're, we're hitting the limits of language right now. We're hitting literal barriers in which we are struggling to convey a thought because of how abstract and like particular it is Mm. but the way i drew it which i no longer believe this to be the case ever since i introduced the word realm to the equation right but it went like this we have the body and uh drawing lines from the body to the mind and from the mind to other things because i used to think consciousness goes through the mind the mind goes through the brain the brain is the body And so the drawing went like this. We have a physical body and the physical body needs a power source, a battery. And that battery is the soul. Mm -hmm. How do we move? How does all these systems work? Why is it that I'm not just like flat on the floor doing nothing like a rock? Why am I capable of getting up and moving? There's a, a battery source, an external transcendent battery source, but a battery source nevertheless. We'll call that the soul. So the body and the soul go together, but then we have the mind. The brain is part of the body. And because the soul is powering the body, the brain is powered. We say now the brain is in fact the antenna. Mm -hmm. The antenna has this sort of place inside that we'll call the mind. The mind isn't the consciousness, but the mind can grab the consciousness. The consciousness needs the mind to go through. And my proof of this is you can have a functional brain that has zero activity and doctors don't know why the fuck. Mm -hmm. So you can have a brain without consciousness. The brain is not responsible for that. That's a factual thing that has happened. We can't prove consciousness independent of the brain, but we can prove brain without consciousness. That is a fact, except the mind requires the brain as well. So for you to think you need the brain and for you to be conscious, you need the brain for whatever reason. Now, we say the mind is some sort of outside force that doesn't necessarily happen in the brain, kind of like consciousness. Those two come together. The mind would be nothing without consciousness. Thus, we call the mind the body of the transcendent world and the consciousness the battery that then powers that transcendent energy. And with the brain fully powered, and the mind fully powered, you can put them together and then perception happen. Hmm. And that's how I drew that. So soul only touches body. Body, which is mind, only touches 
I mean, body, which is brain, only touches mind and mind needs to be functioning in order to allow the battery of consciousness to filter through. Or you could say that the mind is the battery and that the consciousness in the brain, whichever way you rather, they kind of depend on one another before they can function along with the brain. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of what it kind of maybe this whole conversation kind of stems from is, is almost where things perceive things seem to be you know, two things put together or three things put together. But I think it's almost the, the almost the universe's unintentional or intentional consequences of an action. So in the sense of where you, you have, it's like what synergy is, you know, one plus one equals more than two, you know, one plus one equals three. You know, that sort of idea of maybe the way it's all kind of worked is that whenever whatever universe, whatever reality is, was put together, it was almost just two standard things that are, it may be unknown to whatever thing caused this, the perfect opposites in some ways. And then they just clip together. And then because of that connection, that creates a tiny byproduct, which is almost the sand or the trickle I've spoken about. And then that tiny byproduct, because these two perfect things fit together, that tiny byproduct has a, a downward effect on everything. So you've got, you know, with having a universe, if you've got, in really layman's terms, if you have a planet and you've got heat and water, you can make life. That's not... Someone didn't put that together necessarily, but those two things put together, that was what life... When you get, you know, the the brain, such the mind, um, connecting with consciousness and the soul, those sort of things, two of them put together, maybe the energy and the correct physical things in the right sort of organisation of the brain, that connection, the symptom, the additional thing that gets created from that thing, those two things clicking together, is consciousness maybe it's something along those sort of lines i think it, it would have to be because it seems like everything is a sort of amalgamation of a bunch of other things right like there's no we go back to drawing the line we needed the parts in order to even say there was a neutral otherwise there's just a thing mm -hmm. like you need left and right to say there's middle otherwise there's not even middle there's just some fucking thing you're pointing at <laughs> and i guess that would apply to something like the self or existing or anything you could just have a thing you point at and it's indistinguishable from anything else but what's the difference between a rock and a person well a person's moving okay what's the difference between moving and not well it was here then it was there okay so then what about a thing that did move and that other thing that moved how do you distinguish those two things well this one moved because energy that one moved because nature and you start getting granular to the point that we lead all the way to consciousness and it's sort of that whole we're only having the conversation because we keep breaking it apart and looking for the thing but ultimately all those things are just one thing that's a collection of other things put together it's the sort of you keep getting microscopic you see that every one thing is built from a million different parts and i guess that would be the idea that those parts aren't deciding we're a rock. They just kind of are rock. Mm -hmm. And so there's not a conscious mind and a body looking for consciousness actively. There's just kind of a body and a conscious mind that just kind of are. And there'd never be a way to prove that there's a conscious mind without a body or that the body only exists because it was generated by the mind. Could you even prove the outside world exists? Could you prove your physical existence is real? without using your physical existence to prove it like it wouldn't be a thing no it wouldn't it's, it's one of those things isn't it it's like how how do you know anything is real it's like oh because i can touch it i can see it i can do that it's like yeah but that, that doesn't make it in air quotes real as well it depends on your definition of real if you think something you touch is real well then that, that doesn't necessarily make make it real necessarily because you know you can if you go to a dream you feel like you can touch things it doesn't make things in the dream real or, or does it is that like a whole nother realm of reality in itself and one thing i kind of drew is i think i i've been doing random notes when uh, listening to you speak just so i don't lose my train of thought like i did earlier and it's i feel like maybe humans are specifically the way we're kind of maybe not even the words designed or made but the way we're just kind of formed together is basically a jigsaw piece or a jigsaw puzzle rather of like some unknown billion pieces but what it is is it it feels like at all times there's a small piece missing and i feel like the that piece missing is the thing that makes us always striving to look forward for the next thing which is why we can't 
fully comprehend any of this stuff we seem to be getting to kind of like the precipice we keep seem to be with both of our conversations we get to like this, this edge almost and we continue talking about it but we don't seem to go over the ridge of the edge we sort of kind of are still looking at the edge but almost on a, on a sort of a circle just following the edge all the way around because we can't comprehend that piece that piece of the puzzle i think if that piece is the, the the lack of that thing us trying to find that not just you and me in this conversation but how humans are i think that's what causes a lot of pitfalls as well you know people who make millions of pounds or millions of dollars they then want billions and then you make billions and then you want trillions and th- there's this never-ending almost want or need for humans to have uh, you know sometimes people want to just consume things you know with obesity or drug addiction or whatever, things like that there's a lot more complicated issues to drug addiction and obesity than just that but as a sort of simple theoretical idea of just humans we've we are that 80 percent of our our being our 80 percent of that diluted self and we're trying to find that from, from earlier in our conversation we're trying to find that percentage of diluted self in other things which keeps us striving forward and going on and trying to find all these crazy things but the reality is that we could never be that 100% thing and that's kind of the crux that's the that's the thing that keeps us in that loop is because the thing we're always looking for isn't possible in the physical realm that we exist in uh, but us wanting to find that thing is pushing our evolution towards being able to comprehend that thing someday i i would have to disagree about it not existing in this realm though hmm. i think that the fact that we look for whatever's missing in this reality, in this uh, time, in this space, is the same reason that we do have left and right. Like we need to point at right to know that there is a left. Mm-hmm. And so I have to say that to know that I'm here and maybe I'm not even missing a part of me, but I can only understand myself by pointing at something else because I need a reference point. And the idea would be, I will know myself better the more reference points I have to point at and understand. If I can understand more opposites, then I know why they're opposites. And I can point out more things that are similar than I understand myself because I know how they're similar. So it would be because it's all here, but we can never, I guess, reach ultimate understanding because of how many different things there would be to compare ourselves to that there would always be a different comparison that does exist, but will I ever have the time to figure them all out, to see all of them, to point at everything and be like, I'm this, so that's that, and that's that, so this is me. And that's the ultimate, that's the thing that connects back to that infinite cavern and the infinite fraction, is that we are on that quest to infinitely compare ourselves to everything, and yes. there's no way to get to that end point because it's a, it's a pitfall. Yeah. And there'll always be more. Even if we talk material things, how many inventions are happening today that just push that further? And Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to struggle longer. If I had all the time in the world, so would the universe to make new things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it would be infinite, the number of things that I could compare to. If we got to space and now, okay, I can point at the planet and everything I've ever known is on that planet. Well, fuck, there's a million other planets. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 crazy when you think of it in those sorts of terms, but I think we've we've kind of gone towards the edge of this uh, conversation. We've been chatting now for nearly two hours, so I didn't know if you had any final thoughts on this specific matter, uh, and then after that, I'll wrap up. Um, we don't know crap about anything, and uh, I don't think we'll ever know crap about anything. Uh, the universe exists entirely on speculation, and we can't prove that we're present. And uh, we're a crazy delusion that we're self-perpetuating within a singular mind that thinks it's a million different things. And I can't even prove that being true. Mm -hmm. We're in this unfathomable, unprovable mess, like even proving one's own existence, like trying to, the biggest pitfall is trying to prove to someone else that you exist and you're not a figment of their imagination. You can't, it's it's an impossible task. It's reaching for something that is always moving away from you, the exact amount that you're reaching for it. And therefore you could never get it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's a hundred percent. All there is, it's just, the doubt <laughs> we live through life with the doubt that we even exist and the inability to prove that we do so we have to just kind of roll and be like yeah i'm real prove it <laughs> uh, <nah. laughs> wonderful i mean this has been an absolutely amazing conversation that I think uh, I've learned a lot of uh, interesting things from yourself and I'm going to be thinking about this for for quite a while and whatnot and you know 
didn't even get onto any of the other bullet points I had or even talking about your podcast. So why don't you just give a quick plug for, or say quick, take as long as you need to plug your podcast, where people can find you and any of those sorts of other things. Uh, well, you can find uh, the show pretty much anywhere. And it's uh, called the Just Conversation Podcast. It's a show uh, that's divided into two parts. There's uh, the uh, guest portion, very similar to your show, where we just bring people on and kind of dissect an individual's mind. I'm not the biggest fan of interviews. So if you like interview style things, I'm not a fan of that. I'm more like Genuine Chit Chat in which we cruise along and see where it goes. I like that a lot, but if you're here, you're probably like that. <laughs> and uh, the other portion of the show is called rambling and it's just uh, taking general things that the world believes in and grounding it, trying to make it as reasonable and chaotic with some comical twists here and there to make it uh, fun because it's not about whether the information is true. It's about how you think about the information because it couldn't prove anything is true anyways to begin with as we've established and uh, yeah, it's pretty much the show. It's uh, surrounded by philosophy and uh, speculation, and it's just to promote critical thinking and educate on thought for the most part, while trying to be funny all the way through. Well, it's thoroughly entertaining, and I absolutely love listening to it. It's, it's one of those shows which is just like it takes a lot of the elements. Like my show is kind of a, a combination of various different things. You know, there are elements of interview in certain ones. Some of my chats are more interviewee, but other ones like this one are more just you know, kind of wind up the toy, see where it goes. Just And that's kind of like the train of thought. And so if if someone is at the end of this conversation with us, then I presume that they've thoroughly enjoyed it. So on that on that basis, they should go check out your show because it's, I'll include links and whatnot in the show notes and things. And I'll um, try to remember what episode I was in. I think it's like 4.81 or something. That's a random number I just threw out. Something like that. It was either that, it could be 411, I don't know. Like 410, it might have been 410. It might be. I'll include a link to it in the show notes and things. But, you know, Jack, it's always absolutely wonderful just to have a conversation with you. We'll have to just do it every several months. We'll just pick like one thing. Because like my other two notes... It was like one of them was just is killing ever justified, and I think that in itself is probably. Oh my god, we'd be here forever. Yeah, because it's it's that very. I'm not even going to start saying words because I know what happened. We'll be here for another two hours. Um, <laughs> I have so many thoughts I would like to express on that already. We got to oh, save that yeah. for another time. So that's it. So I'll just keep this page of notes uh, just here. And I'll tick off because it's just funny because we didn't even talk about nature or anything like that. We Like as in nature in itself of being good or evil in, you know, mother nature, that sort of idea. We spoke about the idea of good or evil, but there's just so many things that when you have an untethered conversation, which can go into any, any depth or not, like one of the things I like about our conversations is there's no, there's, there's no limit to how much one magnifies something. So it's almost just like someone walking around this massive atrium and you could just be like, oh, here's a collection of these thoughts and things. And let's just kind of scratch the surface on these vague thoughts and things. And let's walk over there to this vague amount. Or you can get I was really close. just thinking about that same thing, that our conversation, it's, it's not that there's a million topics, is that we never leave the singular topic, but rather we find something zoom in talk about it find a part of that already zoomed in piece and then zoom in further and dissect that and sort of we never moved away it just sounds like we're going somewhere but we're just further dissecting the same thing Hmm. yeah i think our conversations a lot of it is kind of our uh our brains trying to process and trying to understand a lot of aspects of existence and the sort of the physical and the metaphysical of like the concepts of good or evil, whether or not those things could even exist. And just those sorts of, as it's untethered, it's just like we delve into the concepts so deeply and just whatever aspect of it we want to talk about, we just go into that. And I just think that it's, it's just our brains just and our mouths just translating our own thought processes. So that's why some of it comes out a bit, mainly for me, a bit rambly because it's just like, as long as I get to a point, I'm like, I don't know where I was going. I don't know why I came to this point, but it was just where my mind was going, you know? No, don't worry. I'm a definitely rambling myself. I Most of the things I figure out, the conversations like this, my opinion is actively being formed as mm. I am talking. Like you mentioned something, for example, energy and matter and then consciousness. Would have never thought about it, but now that's just part of my understanding of it. And I didn't think of it before, but as soon as that's presented, now let's dissect that further. And it's sort of, there's no knowing where my thoughts are going to go. It's sort of happening regardless of my intentions. Yeah, 
that's part of the beauty of it. Well, as I said, man, it's it's always so much fun to have you on the show, and yet we'll have to we'll do it again soon. We'll figure out something on the uh, on the schedule and whatever. Figure something out in a few months' time or whatever, and we'll we'll chat about his killing ever justified. We'll we'll go from there, and maybe <laughs> maybe I'll be able to ask you about your podcast a little bit instead of just a plug. So fingers crossed. But yeah, as I said, Jack, uh, it's been absolutely incredible, and thanks. Thank you very much, man. I enjoyed being here. Appreciate it. And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. As I said, make sure you go check out my appearance on the Just Conversations podcast on episode 4.09 out in September 2020. And also subscribe to the Just Conversations podcast because it's amazing. Some of the things we've got coming up. So I've had a conversation with a woman called Rachel Midori. She's a very interesting individual and she is an ex-porn star. Um, she also is a proponent for uh, cannabis medicine as well as some psychedelic therapies and things. She's also a wine sommelier and just a really, really cool person to have a conversation with. So I had quite a long conversation with her very recently. I also had a conversation with Professor Elemental, who is the chap hopper. Yes, I said chap hop. It's a genre of hip hop. I suppose, or rap. Uh, I spoke with him and Steve of Superheroes for Dummies. That was about an hour long, so that'll be an episode as well. What I'm probably going to do is release the hour-long chat with Professor Elemental next week, and then after that, I'll release part one of my chat with Rachel Midori. I've got a few other things sort of lined up and a few other things uh, that I've either got in the schedule for recording um, or are soon to be uh, cemented down at a time, but there's lots of cool stuff going on. If you want to see my entire future guest list of the people I've got planned for the next couple months, they are all on Patreon as well, so you can see what kind of things you can expect coming up. Uh, in addition as well, I have got quite a few things that I've been uh, guesting on. I've included links to these in the description, but me and Megan were on the 52 Love podcast where we wrote poems to each other and read them on air. Um, I was on the 76th episode of Frank Burton's Ragbag podcast. Uh, myself and Megan have been on the five-part Batman retrospective with the 20th Century Geek Parts one, two, and three were released, but parts two and three have been split into two, so five parts technically. And they're all found on the 20th Century Geek podcast. So if you want to hear us discuss Batman 66, the four Burtonverse Batman movies from the 80s and 90s, the animated film Mask of the Phantasm, and also the Dark Knight trilogy, then make sure we go check that out. We've had a lot of feedback on that and people have been enjoying it muchly. In addition to that, I've got my other show, Styles Comics in Canon, which is on the feed of Comics in Motion. And in addition to that, I was on an episode of Indie Comics Spotlight where me and Tony spoke about the Lone Ranger comics made by Mark Russell. I was on episode 19 of Mandatory Marvel and DC where me and Max Burns speak about the new 52 Batman story, Death of the Family, where Joker cuts his own face off and torments the Bat family with it. Uh, and there's a few other things in the pipeline that I'm going to be involved with. I'm guesting on two more podcasts, one today and one tomorrow. And as of recording this, this is the 21st of February. So lots of cool other things that I've got sort of coming up and whatnot. Obviously, there is my other show, Styles Comics and Canon, and I tackle different comics on there, do character profiles. I interviewed Claudia Gray, which was actually on this feed and also on that one. Uh, there's lots of other cool things I've got in the pipeline for that as well. So, you know, go check out Comics in Motion and subscribe so you can listen to all the amazing shows on that feed, including mine. And I think the last thing really is for me to plug my Patreon. So if you guys aren't already aware, because even though I mentioned it slightly earlier, um, I have started a Patreon for this show. Now, it is to kind of cover some of the costs of what it does to run this show, but also the more money I can get into the show, the more time I can invest in it, and also the more money I can then reinvest into the show to hopefully get bigger and more exciting guests and all that sort of other thing as well. So on my Patreon, I've got a new show called Afterthoughts, where myself and my self-proclaimed co-host Megan, uh, we discuss movies and TV series we've watched. Each episode is about it's between I think eight eight minutes is the shortest episode and the longest so far is about 20 minutes so we've been recording we've done so far up for release for free is The Witcher so we did the first series The Witcher I think the episode's about eight minutes long uh, then also The Watchmen Director's Cut which me and Megan both watched that's on Patreon for any patrons so if you donate £2 a month or more you will get access to the Patreon feed and the Patreon feed has got the part one and part two episodes of Genuine Chit Chat released as one episode when part one comes comes out so you don't have to wait a week for part two and also there's the feed with additional photos the future guest list some other sort of things i've been getting up to and whatnot there's gonna be more content in there as we go but also the afterthought i'm aim at the moment is like one episode being released a week but we're gonna try and push it and try and get two episodes out a week sort of thing and we have started watching these star wars films so obviously everyone knows i'm a massive star wars nerd uh, and megan i've kind of been made a star wars nerd from her kind of watching so many with me so we recently decided we're just gonna watch all the Star Wars films again 
and do afterthoughts on it. So what I'm going to do is, including the Witcher series one sort of uh, 10 minute chat where we discuss our thoughts on that, I'm also going to release the part one, so the first of the Star Wars, almost like a retrospective in some way. Um, so that's Phantom Menace. That's going to be about 20 minutes long. So even if you have no desire to put any money towards genuine chit chat or support the show, that is completely fine. I do really appreciate anyone just listening to the show. But go over to Patreon anyway. The link is in the description, but it is patreon.com slash genuine chit chat. Just go there and check it out. I've put a few photos on there for free, uh, as well as the Witcher series one on there for free. And in addition to that, the Afterthoughts Phantom Menace on there for free. So if you check that out, you know, supporting the show, even £2 a month means an app, the absolute world to me. Quite a few people have already done it, which I'm eternally grateful for but if you do go over there and want to do that that would mean the world to me and there's some other tiers as well that you can um, add if you want to support the show even further but yeah I just appreciate anyone going to Patreon and just looking at the show once again you don't have to donate anything if you don't want to but it'd be good just to get some feedback as well just what people think of it but that is generally it for me guys for the time being as I said thank you so much for anyone who listens to the show especially all the way up to the end and also currently on the Comics Emotion network or Comics Emotion feed there is a little competition going on I think it runs out sort of 26th of February or might be 24th but so if you're listening to this and you haven't already entered the competition go over there you listen to a different episode of the feed in the week and then there are certain questions that get asked at the end and if you can answer those questions and submit your answers you can win a Batman Blu-ray um, I think it's it's got like batman soul of the dragon or something similar to that so make sure you go check that out too anyway guys thank you so much please follow on social media at genuine chit chat rate review subscribe tell your friends show people that you know run and chase people down the street screaming genuine chit chat at them because that may help i don't know Um, but i want to say i appreciate each and every one of you i hope you all stay safe check out all the other shows i've been involved with and maybe check out my patreon so with that all in mind i'll talk to you guys next week